listening to The Final Take. We're your hosts. I'm Nelson Wynn. And I'm Tim Cox. This is a conversation podcast where we talk TV, film, and our love for it all. This episode, we conclude our episode-by-episode take on She-Hulk, as well as our take on the greatest beer run ever. That's actually a movie, not an actual beer run. (laughs) That's right. Although uh, we've probably had many in our day. But first, if you're among our tens of listeners or new to our podcast, please help us out by smashing that like or subscribe button and give us a five-star review on any and all of the platforms you're listening on. Maybe even tell a friend or a loved one about us and share the link to this episode. And if you need like a sample script, I have one for you. Hit me. You could say something like, hello, dear friend or loved one. I hear you like podcasts. I too love podcasts. I listen to them in the car slash while I'm cleaning slash just for kicks. And there's one that I love called The Final Take, where they talk about TV, film, and popular culture. You should listen to it on any of the streaming platforms that you could listen on. That's right. (laughs) Very good. I I felt like I was rambling for a second there. (laughs) Well, you know, I I definitely uh, enjoy that kind of like, hey, friend, do you like, do you like podcasts? (laughs) do you like podcasts about film and television you know so definitely so it's definitely that ryan reynolds little technique there of i think he's done that in the past but hey the simpsons did it first tim they did it first well i don't watch the simpsons well there's your problem uh unpopular opinion and actually i (laughs) <laughs> and, and we were just talking about doing an unpopular opinion. I was, I've just never watched it. I, you know, it came out when I was in high school and what? I've never watched it. What? Yeah. I've never, well, actually I've seen a couple of episodes, but I just, it just never stuck. Well, you've lost all credibility with me. I don't think I've lost credibility. I just have never steered that direction. So <sighs> I'm going to have to rethink this whole podcast thing. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, well, then let's get through the episode and we'll make that decision. And we were talking about doing a segment on unpopular opinions at the same time. <laughs> well, we talked about here. it anyway, Tim. Unpopular opinion. <laughs> All right. Well, concluding its first season, She-Hulk Attorney at Law stars Tatiana Maslany. I hope I pronounce her name right. Jamila, Jamila Jamil. Did I pronounce her name right? You know, I don't know if they're going to listen to, if they're listening. I, I don't think but so. If they are among our tens of listeners, yeah. welcome, friends. We're sorry, Tim. We, we're, we're sorry, sorry this white cis male over here is butchering your name. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay. Well, also, Ginger Gonzaga. I know I got that right. Renee Elise Goldsbury and Charlie Cox with appearances from MCU actors Benedict Wong, Tim Roth, and Mark Ruffalo. And I mean, aren't they all MCU actors, Tim? Whether it's yeah. whether it's Disney Plus streaming show or a theatrical release, aren't we all? Like, aren't they all MCU actors? Okay, I'll say MCU veterans. Ah, there ah, we go. It's good. It's good. That's right. And then, as we last discussed, She Hulk after episode six, 
the self-contained wedding episode, and now cover the final three episodes of this season. Well, the attorney at law finds herself at a self-help retreat (laughs) where shenanigans ensue. She has a run-in with Daredevil in the courtroom, in costume, and in the bedroom. (laughs) Wink, wink. (laughs) I wrote that, and it sounds silly. (laughs) I know. You're cracking yourself up. Uh, And must redeem herself after hulking out when she becomes the victim of an organized attack by Intelligentsia that smears her reputation at an awards gala. That's true. So what are your thoughts on these last three episodes? All right. So one at a time or all together. Well, uh, well, okay. I'll start with all together. And I've got two words for you. Mm-hmm. Effing incredible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've got more words for you. I was really entertained. I, yeah. I, you know, much like the 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 previous installments of the season, is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, now to lay it out, episode six might have or no episode seven. It was episode seven. It's called the retreat. Is where she ends up at uh, Emil Blonsky's um, self help retreat. That might have been the highlight of the season. I think um, so. Yeah, that was definitely like if you're talking about, you know, like a hero's journey, a typical, you know, flow of story like episode seven being, you know, like right before. So, like, you know, you have the 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 penultimate episode is generally like, you know, lots of action, lots of things occurring mm-hmm. and then your finale and, and you, you're 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 kind of like. You're kind of like going up that hill, right? Yeah. Episode, look, episode seven felt like the top of the hill. And then like everything else after that was just gravy. Yeah. Right. So um, episode six was so much fun. Um, It felt like both a self-contained episode as well as one that did a lot of heavy lifting episode seven we'll talk about it more but spoiler alert mm-hmm. it's like it's like the backdoor pi- the backdoor repilot for the daredevil show sure um and then you know the finale was i'm much like all of the season unlike anything that's come before in the mcu so that's my highest level take on those three episodes how about you you know i I can kind of just to lump it in this. It just was terrible. Um, just, I, I didn't think it was really that good as we kind of came. <laughs> I'm totally messing with, gracious, uh, messing with you. Gracious, Tim. I'm seriously getting to walk off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I had to at least once to just like, kind of. Do, do, do we, do we need to do a welfare check on your home? Like, <laughs> you know did you bump your head of course not of course not you know i I thought that this was just an unexpected uh really great show and they really to use a a term uh the prima 
prima facie, um, kind of on its face, it was a uh, um, just poked fun at all of the MCU tropes because I, I, I want to say I, I want to say for the longest time, people have really kind of complained about how format the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh yeah, is. how how you completely know? formulaic it is. Yes, and, and and look, we've even talked about how like you know we're feeling a little a little you know Marvel fatigue, mm-hmm. right? And we really enjoy them. Yeah, I mean it 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 kind of broke all of the barriers of any type of Marvel film or TV show to just to kind of push itself out there, not take itself too seriously. Mm-hmm. And, and really, um, you know, they just, they just brought it past the finish line. And I'll say as far as the retreat episode goes, that is a full on Taika Waititi, uh, episode, you know, it, oh, it was yeah. very much like them, but, but also taking some of these more serious characters like Wong and, um, and, Abomination, Emil Blonsky, uh, played by Tim Roth. I, I think that they really made this such a better show mm-hmm. by just not taking them too seriously and realizing that, hey, you know, we we're not all serious. We don't have we have our moments of joy. You know, the this is this is our evolved characters. And they but really they have to be serious. We need Stan Lee would be rolling in his grave, Tim. <laughs> uh, the funny thing is, a lot of that was a lot of that was Stan Lee's ideas. Yeah. You know, it's it. well, I mean, they, they kind of made him, you know, they he was the com- he was the comedic uh, part of some of these some of these films that were just way too serious for their own good, you know. And, uh, you know, just his little appearances and stuff like that. But um, I, I just think making it a little bit lighthearted and a, and a little more humid, human at the same time. Sure. You know, it was just I, I think that's what kind of gave it heart. Oh, you yeah. know. Yeah. And so I don't necessarily need to com- comment on each episode. Sure. But I, th- I think the arc kind of resolved itself pretty well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know? So, Tim, what mm-hmm. were the standout moments for you? That I, I seems like we both enjoyed the last yeah. three episodes here, the last uh, uh, the last act, so to speak, of the season. You know, I'll give. Um, I, I, like you, I think the whole retreat episode was just from start to finish, like really good. Um, I don't necessarily think there was a standout moment in that, just because it was a it was a really solid episode. Um, I do have to say, um, hooking up with, you know, the whole scene with Matt Murdock, which I understand <laughs> was supposed to be his walk of shame was actually supposed to be the finale post credit scene, but oh, it, interesting. It, fit, it fit better there. Um, I thought that was kind of funny him doing a walk of shame. And then, um, uh, when she breaks the fourth wall. So we're going to throw out some spoilers here. Yeah. Yeah. Where, oh, where she... So, so hold on. So, yeah. so let's, let's maybe cover these episode by episode then. Yeah. Yeah. So episode seven, the retreat. Yeah. So there wasn't necessarily like a standout for you on that one. 
No, not that I can remember. I thought it was just overall a really good episode. And I, I, I definitely, I, I like the approach, but it was just, it was pretty consistent throughout the entire thing. Let me tell you because, something. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the group therapy scene. Mm-hmm. So, so, okay. So just for a, a little background, Emil Blonsky's yeah. self-help retreat is a self-help retreat for reformed villains. Yeah. Like himself, a reformed villain. Mm-hmm. And so like, he's got like a, a, a sweat lodge, like a yurt. They do like self-help discussions. There's all kinds of stuff at this retreat. And she finds yeah. herself there because there's an issue with his uh, inhibitor. And so he's, she's got to go out there with his parole agent or with his par, uh, parole officer um, uh-huh. to, 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 to reactivate it. Right. Right. And so like through a series of like mishaps, right. She finds herself in a group session with all these other reformed villains. And here's the funny thing. Those are all actual villains that appeared in the comics. Yeah. Obviously kind of lesser ones like the porcupine. <laughs> yeah. But they're all, they're all villains or they're all bad guys. Yeah. And that whole scene like you, you've seen group therapy scenes before, yeah, on other TV shows, but just the way that they did it here with reformed villains and how they were just like, you know, you mentioned it before, how they're turning all of these like tropes and all these storylines kind of on their head. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a delightful scene. It was, it was a good scene. And, and especially when I I would say the standout moment of that was when the porcupine took his mask off. Yes. Oh my gosh. Where they're like, Oh, maybe Uh, put it back on. Take a shower. Yeah. Like, Oh, how long have you had that on there? It's funny. Cause you know, you never think about that. It's like when you're watching TV, it's like, Oh, he never takes it off. Like the Mandalorian never takes his mask mask off. Well, his Face must smell like an armpit. Yeah. You know? Well, and they did this thing. They did this gag with, I think it was the porcupine in general. Was that when he was speaking with his mask on, Uh his voice was super muffled. Yeah. Right? And when you watch any other superhero show, when... A hero or villain or any character has a, a mask that covers their mouth, they speak perfectly and right. you know deadpool does a little bit of the muffling right yeah with, right. with his voice with the mask on but not to the extent in which they did it with porcupine on that retreat episode and it cracked me up because like that's really what happens when you have a mask like that on yeah is your yeah, voice is so muffled that is definitely true. Like a full um, face mask, like a like a costume mask like that. So I, I thought that was hilarious. You, you know what's funny? I, I want to kind of shift to DC really quick because, um, you know, when, when Christopher Nolan was working on the uh, Dark Knight trilogy and he was getting it to release, um, he, he actually released the – so the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises both had like a little prologue scene at the beginning, the bank robbery scene and then the – the the plane scene right. for Dark Knight Rises, right. right? And they actually did um they the original intent was to um you know make 
Tom Hardy sound muffled. Yes. And I went to go see it. I think it was, it was one of the mission impossible films. And if you go see it in IMAX, you can get, you can watch the prologue to the dark Knight rises. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember that first week. I remember that. And listening to his voice in that, I think somebody recorded it and put it up on YouTube. Yes. They did. You cannot understand a damn word he's saying. Oh yeah. Well, and then he had that like weird, like, I don't know, like Eastern European accent that he kind of threw on there when, when Bane's yeah. actually from Brazil, like, <laughs> yeah, some choices were made Tim. <laughs> I know. I know. And that's the thing. It's like, but the biggest choice was that, well, he's wearing a mask. His sound, his voice sounds muffled. And then they really had a backtrack on it, which was actually probably, can you imagine if they didn't release that scene? Oh, sure. And the final cut that we would have had, Oh yeah, yeah. It was they would have had, like they would have muffled had him. voice the entire time. Yeah, I can't understand what he's saying, and they would have probably hit, had to put up subtitles or have him come in and re-record his tracks, and uh, it it would have been just kind of crazy. But, yeah, but yeah, it, you're right, man. It is true. I mean, it's like having these muffled voice sounding people. Um, that's that's kind of where it's at. Yeah. You know, I, I think they do a little bit with, with Spider-Man when mm-hmm. he has his mask. On. A little, a little bit, so, a little bit. So, um, and like Deadpool does it a little bit too. Yeah. Um, so, so as I mentioned before, episode six, it feels like a self-contained episode because in a lot of ways yeah. it is, but mm-hmm. it also does a ton of heavy lifting for her arc. Right. When you're yeah. talking about, especially, at that, you know, where that episode was in the season, episode seven, it's like, you know, the, the, if you're, if you're on a roller coaster, you know, heading to the climax, right? It's mm-hmm. like the bottom of the hill and, and getting ready to, to go up the, the, the drop, right? Yeah. And that being, especially that scene where she kind of, you know, she puts her defenses down and, and begins to really accept, mm-hmm. you know, that She-Hulk is part of her. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's that's like such a huge thing for, for um, you know, like personal development. And, and then, of course, for like, you know, for these stories, for the hero's journey, um, yeah. you know, self-discovery and, you know loving oneself like those are all kind of huge personal personal journey steps right so yeah that scene in particular in this episode does a lot of heavy lifting in terms of her accepting that you know she hulk is a part of her and that you know she is a hero yeah well you know i think that that you, you touch on something there because they you know when you think about her arc what was it like the first or second episode there's a one scene at the end where she gets mugged by someone who wants to take her blood. Yep. Right. You've got um, the end of the wedding episode where she, the guy hooks up with her and then takes her blood, yep. her, her phone information and leaves. So that's the end of an episode, just like, like about the last minute. But then the last three episodes really kind of, kind of push that arc through at the very end. So the other six episodes, they're really spending their time trying to do that character development sure. and they're really there's they're spending that time getting you to invest in a a character that you really enjoy watching that you are getting to know and you know seeing her 
her highs and her lows and all that other kind of stuff. And that's what's important on, on this. And I think that's what makes this show, this particular Marvel show so strong is that they did a lot of character development on this. Oh yeah. To where, okay, you know, it, it doesn't matter what happens in this entire show. And even at the, we'll get to the very last episode, but even then how, how far it doesn't matter how far fetched things can get. You still love this character. Right. So that's, that's what, that was what was the important part of it. So, yeah. So, um, so episode, so episode eight, Uh huh. this is the, the, where she has to represent the rib. What's his name? Ribbit. Is that oh, his character? Was he the frog or something? I, I just remember his kiss catchphrase was ribbit and rip it. Ribbit and rip it. That's <laughs> right. But the most important part of the episode and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it is Matt Murdock <laughs> makes his second full appearance in the MCU. Yes. Um, as rival counsel, um, because she's yeah, having to sue. She's having to, third. What's that? His third appearance. Wait, Spider-Man No Way Out was his first. Oh, well, that was his first. Oh, okay. So I guess is his is his show just completely? Well, his show is outside erased. of the MCU. Oh, okay. So the right. the Netflix the Netflix show was like independently produced. Oh, by okay. Netflix without any oversight from. So Kevin Feige. From Kevin Feige. Yeah, he was not okay. involved. Oh, okay. And so like when you're talking about MCU proper after, you know, after like the rights kind of reacquisition from, from Netflix, um, Matt Murdock's first proper appearance in the MCU. Second okay. proper exp- appearance in the MCU. Okay. Well done. Go ahead. Um, yeah, he's rival counsel because she's supposed to sue like her costume designer because he, he designed the, the, the ribbit, the, 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 the frog guy's costume. Yeah. Again, the most important part is that he's represented by Matt Murdock who somehow flew all the way out to LA to, which is besides the point. Right. Uh, he he makes an appearance. He's in it. You know they have chemistry throughout, and then shenanigans ensue. So, <laughs> so any standout moments for you on this episode, the penultimate episode? Yeah, I I really like how how they were. Um, the the courtroom scene was actually really amazing. That was really funny, especially how he sniffs out the uh, jet fuel in the suit. Oh yeah, and. And gets him to, uh, I mean, yeah, um, gets him to, you know, get the case dismissed because he's uh, he didn't follow the directions of the of the, the suit. Oh, the the, the manufacturer, the ma- instructions. Yeah, that's right. Didn't follow the instructions, and uh, you know, Matt Murdock ends up, you know, kind of popping up and stuff like that. So it was it was um, definitely. Uh, the chemistry between She-Hulk and Matt Murdock, really how that evolved over the course of the episode. Yeah. Was, was actually, I, I loved it. It was, I, I it thought was it really was good. great. And, and the fact yeah. that 
they were able to they were able to get that in in the same episode yeah you know it felt earned even mm-hmm. though it happened over one episode right yeah um you know in in terms of like you know how they had a little bit of that rivalry in the courtroom mm-hmm. and then you know like there's like a flirty exchange at at a bar at the courtroom bar the you know like the the, the downtown bar that all the lawyers go to yeah um you know and, and and then leading up to like the fight that they have so like you know it, it's a standout moment for me is it's like her first proper like real cgi heavy fight yeah where like they managed to go nearly the entire season mm-hmm. before you know they, they did a effects heavy fight which i you know, again, I applaud them for that. I think that was great. I thought that was great. Um, yeah. But the way that they that they did that, where she was fighting Matt Murdock, um, you know, when when he was like, you know, attacking her her client. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I thought that was a great fight scene. Um, yeah. It wasn't overly long. It was just like the perfect amount of like, you know, She Hulk like superhero. Bat superheroes battling it out. Like it was the perfect amount of fight. Yeah, that's true. I agree with that. Um, you know, and it was, uh, they, they kept the kind of kept the story going throughout it too, as well, which sure. is important. I mean, you can't just stop a freaking entire plot and just focus on the fight. Oh yeah. You, know, you don't, you don't want to Michael Bay that stuff. No. And, and, you know, again, it's unfortunate, like in the MCU, too often that entire and actually not the MCU in superhero movies in general, the yeah. third act, the final third of the movie is usually like a giant CGI fight scene. Unless you're oh, Zack Snyder, in which case it's the entire movie. <laughs> Bite your tongue. <laughs> hey, hey, you, 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 you clown on Quentin Tarantino all the time. So, you know, what? okay. You know what? Well, we're giving you a taste of your own medicine, Tim. Well, to be fair, I'm I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. Because half the movie is slow motion. <laughs> and let me tell you this: super slow motion, super slow motion. Hey, I'm not going to blame the Red Sox when the Yankees lose. Yeah, yeah, I I'm get just it. not. I get so it. I'll call it as it is. So uh, if, if there's if there's some some bad things in a movie, I'll say, yeah, this part just wasn't good. And it usually takes me a couple times. So like first time I'm usually like kind of coming out thinking, ah, oh, so good. Then I watch it again and I'm like, I don't know. So, but yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of, a lot of excess fighting in it in, in some of these movies and, and they handled the right amount. Yeah. Are you, so, so let me ask you, are you, advocating for runtime oh my gosh i am dang i sure am tim they got straight to the point 30 minutes or less or the next one's free (laughs) yeah so any other standouts from from episode eight um 
No, I just, you know, I, I gotta say we can't, I can't really, I can't really put on, um, some standout moments when, when they really just hit everything perfect in the right amount of time. Sure. So, so the I finale, mean, obviously the finale then uh-huh. I, like that entire episode was off they the just, rails. They turned it on its head. Totally they off the, the rails. Format. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the most hilarious thing is, like seeing the commentary online, like it invalidates everything from the MCU. And it was like the stupidest thing ever. Like yeah. that's the She-Hulk comic, dude. <laughs> like she breaks the fourth wall in so many ways, like shatters literally like, like in this episode where she, they had her literally shatter the fourth wall of Disney plus. Yeah. Like, she did has done that so many times in her comic books. There's an entire issue of She-Hulk of her uh, no, of another character basically describing to her superhero story development, like how writers develop superhero stories and how they are in a comic book. Th- yeah. That's an entire issue of she-hulk oh sure and so like for anyone that's like you know this this is not this is not marvel it is it totally is this like yeah her fourth wall breaking and just like shattering all the expectations of superhero stories and tropes that's been in in the marvel comics since the 60s you know, let, let me tell you why people are wrong for for taking these perspectives, and and I think this is this is also kind of kind of hits the um, the heart of our podcast is that we always try to find the good in everything. You know, we always try to find the things that we like. There's too many people out there just trying to trying to burn everything down. And right. Just there's an audience for everything. Complain. Yeah, and the thing is, is that oh, you know look at things for what they are. You know, they, they, these things came from somewhere. You have a lot of smart people who know when Wolverine farted and in what episode, what it was about and everything, you know, all that other kind of stuff. And that, that is like the, these people know what they're doing. Sure, and they know that they know the comic books. They're getting. I, there's no doubt in my mind. They're even, even constructing these stories. They're looking at the tone. Right. They're looking at these characters so they can be true because they're really just putting these characters who are in comic books up onto the screen. Sure. You know they're not looking to make significant change. I mean, look at the like, look at Falcon becoming Captain America. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not making big dramatic changes. They're just telling the story differently, telling or telling a different story as if it's a different comic book or, or the comic continued on or something like that. But there, you know, it's not. And and that's the thing is like, you know, Falcon being Captain America is not some like 2022 woke writing. Like that legitimately goes back decades 
of of like yeah. you know other characters besides Steve Rogers, some of them some of yeah. them black, having taken up the mantle of Captain America. It, it's happened in the comics before. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like one of those. I, I I don't know if I've seen this somewhere, but like the thought occurred to me that just because you belong to a fandom does yeah. not mean it belongs to you. Right. Right. Like you could be a super fan of whatever it is out there, whatever pop culture entity. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to everybody. And, right. and, and at the same time, like if you think about comic book runs, not just like Marvel or and or DC, but all the independent independent comic book producers out there is they have multiple titles that are intended for multiple different audiences. And so like, yeah. you know, like if you're a comic book collector, do you literally buy every single issue of every comic that comes out every single week? No, you buy what you like, the stories that you want to read. Right. And that's the case with this Mm -hmm. too is, is I think this is what you're getting to is that she exists in the MCU was not necessarily made for hardcore MCU fans. Right. That's right. And the thing is, is that they're making it for universal audience because the universal audience doesn't read comic books. They watch things on TV and they're entertained. They watch the movies and they're entertained. You know, I had this, I had this conversation with somebody about um, when I was talking about Batman, the difference between like Christian Bale and Ben Affleck and the um, uh, Robert Pattinson, Batman. Yeah. And they didn't, they had no concept that all three of these Batman characters were represented in the comic book. Right. exactly how they were represented on the screen. And they're like, Oh, Oh my gosh. And you know, they said um, the comment was um, I think it was like, they didn't really like Ben Affleck as Batman. I was like, well, he was pretty close to like the, it, when you talk about the, the um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Frank Miller, Batman. He was oh, the, the closest. Yeah. Frank. The dark Knight returns. Yeah. Yeah, he was the closest to Frank Biller Batman than, than right. anything. But but you know, and and that's kind of where they're at. Like people are just like, oh, I just hate it. And and they don't know why as well. You know, I, I'm seeing a lot of these comments, oh, it's terrible. So they don't like it because it's it's that uh, you know, it's not really they're like, it's not really She Hulk or whatever. And they they just don't know. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of going off on a tangent a little bit, but I'm, I've, I've seen a lot of comments where people have just been down on this series. And, and the thing is, it's like, it's a well-written character. It represents the comic well. And it took all of the tropes that people are complaining about with Marvel films, and they turned it on its head. And it just, it, it couldn't have been a better representation of anything Marvel that that's, you know, starting fresh right now. So... So you want to get to, uh, or we're, we're already talking the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, was there anything that didn't work for you these last three episodes? I'm going to say, well, the only thing I'm going to say is CGI. 
and and I I finally figured out why the CGI wasn't as good when they put She Hulk up there. Okay. Because they shot outside. Oh, instead of in a studio. Instead of in a studio, and the thing is, is that you can do the CGI shots when you're up against green screen, and you know Hulk looks looks fine, and uh, you know all of these different characters look fine, but they're they they most they did a lot of outside shooting or or or, or live shots, and they're pretty much putting a cart putting Jessica Rabbit into a live action scene right and so the lighting's not perfect um it just doesn't doesn't work very well so you know the the up close shots the close-ups look fine but when you when you do the medium and and wide shots you know you're like "Ah, it just uh, doesn't really work very well (laughs) they were on a journey and they found that uncanny valley (laughs) yeah well but i mean i could i could get over it yeah, you know, just you know, because of how good the was show was. A, it was a distraction. Like, I, I know a lot of people want, I, again, you know, you listen to the chatter, you know, the naysayers yeah. of, of the show. Like, mm-hmm. it's a whole reason to write off the entire show is that there are mm-hmm. a handful of CGI shots of her that were not yeah. great. And that's fine. Yeah. You know, it is what <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. That's true. What about you? Anything not work for you? Um, no. It, it this show is great, and yeah, I feel like I feel silly that like having to defend it so hard because like it it was such a great show. Um, yeah, you know, and, and and like I know this is supposed to be a what didn't work. But that mm. that finale was not like anything else. The way no. that it totally like look for like for all for for all for all the fanboys and girls out there that like Kevin Feige and you know Marvel can do no wrong. There's yeah. also an upswell of people that just like want to hate on it just because I don't know like they get like someone poops in their cereal on a regular basis every morning I guess because sure. like you know they're they're they're, they're certainly a, a population of people that all they want to do is complain yeah and like to see the arguments against this show and and several of the other shows about like diversity and casting about how mm. you know basically the villain in in She-Hulk is are, are are the same villains out out in the real world that her biggest <laughs> critics, right? And yeah. we talked about that in an early episode where, you know, like they anticipated that the show was going to get a lot of internet hate, which it did for yeah. the very reasons why there is internet hate out there, diversity and yeah. casting, replacement of male characters with female characters, like all of that, all of that. And they knew that uh-huh. they were going to get it. And what better character than She-Hulk and Jen Walters to turn all of that on its head and hold a mirror up, right? Obviously, yeah. they're going to look away and not look in the mirror and just continue to be angry and like fight with strangers behind a keyboard online. Yeah. 
That's true. But what a brilliant, what a brilliant final episode. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and just like a nod and a wink to the audience. Like if you enjoyed the previous eight episodes and my whole vibe here of like, I'm one of you, then you will love this episode, right? That whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So anyway, it's such a good show. I, I can't, I can't say enough good things about it. Yeah. So um, we talk usually when we do like a first take and stuff, we usually say, what do you think the, the season will go? So my question is, did it turn out the way you thought it would turn out? Um, yes and no. Yes. In which I thought it was going to defy a lot of expectations. It's going to subvert a lot of expectations that we had for mm-hmm. superhero shows and, and movies, especially the MCU, which it did. And then like, no, like I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. And I certainly wasn't expecting how it turned out at the end. Like, those last like four episodes, mm-hmm. the wedding episode to the retreat to to Daredevil, and, and then the finale with with like her literally breaking the fourth wall, like the Disney Plus fourth wall. Yeah, that I I would hold that up to four episodes of any ongoing show right now, besides maybe like Better Call Saul, but that just ended. So like I'll put that up against any other TV show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. I thought it was, it was just, you know, more than anything, just great character development and, and you can't go wrong with that. And, and, you know, um, this is like, I, you know, we've talked about how I met your mother in the past. I'm just kind of bringing it, bringing it in as far as character development goes. Um, which is why the last season of how I met your mother didn't work very well is that they wrote a perfect character and they developed her and you really love the mother and then they kill her and you're like, I hate this show. You know, it sucks, man. I can't, why do they kill her? It should have been called how I met your aunt Robin. Who's now your stepmom. (laughs) Right. How I met your stepmom. <laughs> How I met your stepmom. That's right. It was and also your is, aunt. But you, you know, you sit here and you, you watch, you, you love these characters in How I Met Your Mother. They're so well written. They're you, you know their their flaws. You know their strengths. You know you, you you're there with them all the time, and you just love the show. Well, they wrote this character, a flawless person, and you love the mother. And you hate the show for killing them off, killing her off, you know? So that shows you the strength of character development when it comes to, um, and, and how important it is when it comes to, to television and, and well, just anything. And if, if you're writing characters, you, you know, character development is extremely important. Yeah. And this is, a, this is a, a prime example of why the show is good and it's really good just because of the character development. When she has lows, you're there with her. When she has the highs, you're celebrating with her. So, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a good show. Yeah. Without a doubt. So, so my final takes a watch. How about yourself? Final takes a watch. <laughs> it's a watch. Watch it twice. You'll love it. Well, here's, hope, here's hoping that we get season two or like some proper like, you know, Planet Hulk or 
World War yeah. Hulk, you know, series going. Yeah, um, and we didn't even hit some of those some of those spoilers at the end. Oh yeah, so. yeah, and we don't have to. So, just watch it. Just no. watch the show. Yeah, if you're still it's a holdout, great. or you know, if you're a hater, yeah, I mean, like, watch it again. You're gonna like yeah. it. Yeah, that's right. All right, She Hulk, Attorney at Law, is streaming in its entirety on Disney Plus. So now we're going to talk about the greatest beer run ever, which is based on the novel by John Chicky Donahue. Peter Farrelly, one half of the Farrelly brothers, adapts this biographical comedy drama for the screen. And it stars Zac Efron as Chicky Donahue, Russell Crowe, and Bill Murray. This story follows the too good to be true, (laughs) but they are true events of donahue's journey to sneak into the vietnam war to deliver a beer to friends from his neighborhood who are serving in the war so tim what were your thoughts this is on apple tv plus right yeah right right um okay so i was all up on the wikipedia during this during this well actually really at the end of this film so i I watched this at I watch this at night and I struggle to watch shows at night. You know, uh, the only thing I can do, uh, is actually podcast at night because I'm, I'm actively stimulated, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's that cliche. Like, are you going to stay up? You're going to be awake for this. Are we going to watch this? And then I'm like knocked out after like 15 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't not one, not one minute in this, film uh it it was um it it just really hit it hard hit the ground running and and just just kept going it was it was uh i'm, I'm making it sound like an action film but yeah yeah you, really, you are. <laughs> it's I know, like action but, adjacent it's like yeah it, close it like this is this is like this is like the fringes of the vietnam war where you have yeah. like full metal jacket and platoon and and uh what's it called? Uh um Hamburger Hill? No, like all all oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have like platoon and full metal jacket on this side. And yeah. then like way off in the periphery is this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Same with like uh um Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it really just kind of showcases this story and it seems too good to be true. It does. And it I does. was like, Oh my God, this, this didn't happen. Well, you know, it's, this it's funny too, is, is that like, like this movie, when, when you first told me about it, I was like, I, I didn't know it was about like the Vietnam war or a guy, you know, th- this, this story, I was thinking like it, you know, the first thought was that it was some coming of age, you know, teen <laughs> or, you know, underage drinking drama, you know, comedy. Right. Yeah. And, right. and, you know, and, and everybody has like their own epic beer run story, sure. just like in the hangover, everyone has their own, you know, crazy Vegas stories. And so like right. when I first thought about it, I was like, what could be epic? Like, you know, this is pretty this pretty lofty title, the greatest beer run ever. And then yeah. literally 
It is. Yeah. Um, it, it's true. Um, it was just kind of an unbelievable film. Yeah. You know, it, it was, it was, but it happened. It was one. It, look in the streaming age. So prior to the streaming age, like, does this movie get made? Maybe not. Cause it's like um, a small, it's a small little film. It tells yeah. a story. It, it you know, it, it's got some comedic effects. It's got some drama, but like, you know, it doesn't fit in, in, you know, like as a tent pole, like it could have been like an, a real indie movie made, you know, at one point, yeah. you know, but with yeah, lower quality, right. With lower cinematic yeah. value. But like, you know, this it was, it, it was a nice little movie. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's like, I shouldn't say nice little movie. It's just like one of those where like you don't expect much and, and it yeah. definitely delivers. That's, that's definitely true. And um, I, I just, I, yeah, it, because they, they really had um, and, and they, t- you know, when you talk about a screenplay, sc- good screenwriting, it has something to be revealed in every scene. And this really had that. Oh yeah, and that's what makes that what's, that's what makes good writing no, and a good and it makes for a good story. Oh yeah, when you're talking about you know storytelling a character's arc mm-hmm. throughout any piece, right? Yeah, you know where he starts, where 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 Chicky begins at, at at when the movie sets off to where he ends and all of his experiences. And granted, he had to have the most wild told like most wild ride through mm-hmm. Vietnam right. to come to the conclusions that he did. Yeah. And when you think about like people in general where, you know, they're entrenched in their ideas mm-hmm. and it could take them a literal ride through a war zone for their yeah. eyes to be open and like for them to realize the other side of the argument. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's definitely a great allegory to like the current political discourse. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and all of this is always present in politics and politics and media and all that other kind of stuff is that there's, there's three sides to every story when it comes to politics and the state of the nation and those kinds of things or what's going on in the world. It's, it's what the politicians are saying, what the media is saying, and what everybody is saying, you know, as far as is not necessarily what side they take. It's just the the more popular side of things. Sure. You know, when, when it came to the Vietnam War, it was the protesting side of things because people coming back from the Vietnam were largely silent. You know, um, if they weren't protesting it, they were largely silent. Except Forrest Gump, in which case he was silenced. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Yeah, they pulled the plug on his speech, Tim. They, they did pull the plug on his speech, but then Jenny came out and he jumped in the water. <laughs> um, but and and it was interesting, and th- and that's the whole premise of this and why he goes on the beer run because he's he he's kind of tired of he wants to support the guys that are over there. Right. You know, there's some, you know every day they're they're getting to find out that someone died, and. You know, he wants his his sisters becoming a protester. They want to um, they want to get 
do something for, nice for the guys yeah, they out raise there. Raise their spirits. Raise their spirits. They want to support them and all that other kind of stuff because they're under the guise of of they're protecting your freedom. You know, they're fighting for you. They're fighting for freedom. And it's interesting because when you look at that, you know, we were kind of wrangled into the Vietnam War, um, you know, to, to try to create a democracy in South Vietnam. And Well, let me tell you something, Tim. The Vietnam War is very, is very close and, 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 and very close to my heart and very that's right. A, a very critical time in my family's history. <laughs> that is a very critical time in your family's history. And um, it's, it's, you know, and ha- had it not ha- had America not gotten involved in Vietnam, we wouldn't be having this podcast. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, and, and like, it's a reminder that proxy wars mm-hmm. are like, they are the history of man. They've been yeah. going on forever and they will continue to go on just as today. There's a proxy sure. war that's going on right now. And it seems yep. like every decade, a new proxy war rears its head and we're yeah. involved in some form or fashion because, you know, that's, that's what made, America does. In America. That's right. Um, so, all right, let's get to let's get to some moments in this this film. Sure, um, and we can we can talk simultaneously talk true events plus plus the film because this is based on true events. It is. Um, what were some standout moments to you in this film? You know, the standout moment was when he when he's somehow makes it out to the the front line right like yeah it's you know towards the end of the first act where you know they set the stage of like this is this is this is the the american discourse right now right where in an unpopular mm-hmm. war you know guys in the neighborhood are dying news is not good but like you know we got to stay positive because this is america right America. And, and, you know, he sets this noble quest for himself. And at the same time, it's yeah. like, there's no way he can make this happen. But it's one of those things where him just saying that he's going to go over there gives yeah. the neighborhood some hope. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, like, once he gets there and just kind of like dumb luck stumbles his way through a war zone. Yeah. And is like making his way in country yeah and then like when he finds one of his you know neighborhood boys and like spends the you know that time on the front and then they show the picture like you know they they take a picture at the end of it and and they actually Mm -hmm. show the real picture side by side it's like oh my gosh he pulled it off yeah that's yeah, it is. It, 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 and it's funny because I, I don't have to say that anything's a particular standout moment sure. in this. Just the fact that this guy pulled this off. Right. Right. The fact just, that he pulled it off. I mean, that that's the standout. And, it, yeah. you know, also it's one of those things where like you go into this movie thinking like, oh, it's going to be a comedic romp. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, with the Vietnam War as a backdrop, a very unpopular war in our history. Yeah. For some of us, you know, much more significant than others. Mm-hmm. You know, but like it, it, it did a really good job of of framing the different sides of, you know, the what the media covers mm-hmm. and how they cover it, what the people on the ground see. Yeah. And then, you know, what the truth is and how often the truth is manipulated. Yeah. Right. Um, I thought it showed that very well. And then, you know, again, using the Vietnam war as a backdrop for this as, as a proxy war. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, the war on terror being our, our, you know, the most recent proxy war that we were, you, you know, the primarily the, 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 the fighting in it, you know, uh-huh. another like unpopular war that had many different sides, many different stories to tell. Um, mm-hmm. and, and to see how like the facts and, and stories are twisted and, and, you know, the truth obs- ob- obfuscated and, and told in, in a way that fits a narrative. Um, yeah. you know, it, it really makes you think about what the truth is and how you seek, how, how you're supposed to seek that out. And it's right. You know, obviously not easy because he literally had to go into a war zone to see the truth. <laughs> Exactly. And in, and in some circumstances, you can't find out the truth because although he went into the war zone to find out the actual truth, had he never gone over there, there would have been no way he could have actually found out the truth. Sure, sure. You know, there's some people that, that are, you know, that uh, even, even the people who just the coverage of the war, even the people who were protesting the war, you know, they're, they're protesting the war because people are dying. You know, their their friends, their relatives, right. the you know, and they know they're, they're, they're being lied to. They just don't know what the lies are. Right. Exactly. And so, and and back then, I mean, prior to mass media, it was easier to, you know, see, or it, it was uh, uh, easier. It's easier now to see, you know, who's not being honest because there's so much false information out there. And back then, you don't know what really is the truth, you know. Um, so, I mean, it's that's just kind of, you know, the benefits of not having mass communication on the level that we have it now. Um, but so um, anything not work for you in this? Um, I mean, there are a couple times where. Oh no. Oh no, I'm going to say it. <sighs> Tim. Runtime. <laughs> Pacing and runtime. Where it felt like it was dragging a little bit. Yeah. Some points where it felt overly long. Um, you know, I, otherwise <sighs> it was good. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was. I, I, yeah. I, it was enjoyable. And, and again, and, and again, one of those things where like anytime I watch a movie, film, documentary about the Vietnam War, yeah. there, you know, for me personally, 
you know, it's having my family having lived through it, my parents having lived through it and you mm-hmm. know, hearing their stories and, and, and learning over the years. Like, you know, I, I always have a, a bit of reverence towards anything like this where, you know, it helps me pull back another layer of, mm-hmm. you know, a major event in my family's history. So it's one of those things yeah. where like, I can see what they were trying to do where it's like, yeah, it's a spectacle. It's, it's, it's a, it's a too good to be true, true story. And, you know, there's certainly comedic elements in it, but at the heart of it, it's, it's, it's a drama and specifically a drama about, you know, our, our, our current political discourse, mm-hmm. how we get information, what we do yeah. with that information Right. And, and, you know, um, with some laughs along the way. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I definitely agree with that. I, one thing I have to say is, is I went on to the wiki, I went down the Wikipedia rabbit hole after the film wrapped and, um, he was there for four months and they made it seem like he was only there like less than a week right, right. The three days it was three days in the movie yeah, time but was he was actually days. there for a very long time which he, is even yeah, more he, impressive yeah he was there and, and there was so much more he was actually involved in in the, the the scene he was when he was out on the front lines was one thing but he was actually visited another buddy in the middle of a of a, a battle it was a four-month-long battle and um, he went on, went in and, and left. And, but, um, you know, the, the story where he does miss his ship, you know, his ship takes off without him. He actually had to wait for the next ship. Right. But it, it reminded me of that film, catch me if you can, where they really couldn't tell everything that was in the book just because it was so epic what this guy, what, you know, what this guy did. Right. And it was the same thing with this film is like, he did so much more. Yeah. Maybe, did, maybe they didn't go far enough or tell enough of the story yeah. for sake of runtime. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I, I didn't, I thought the runtime was, was just right. Um, I mean, there, there were some moments that, that slowed down a little bit. I thought it was necessary, but but in the end, um, I, it was it was a really good film. So it, it, you know, and, and it's great to see, you know, the a non typical story of of something like this Vietnam because you oh, know, sure. when knowing Vietnam history, you know, the Tet Offensive and and all these kinds of things, you see these things kind of coming in, and and knowing these little parts of of what happened sure. in these, these, these events, it was, it was really quite a, um, uh, quite a journey to, to just to kind of sit there and, and see the story on the side, you know? So to see a dramatization of the, of the Ted offensive is, yeah, you know, kind of like it kind of for, again, for me, cause yeah, it, it is a big part of my family's history. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely gives you kind of pause of like mm-hmm. just how significant that that day was. Yeah. Those few days 
um, mm-hmm. were and, you know, how so many lives and so much of the world changed on those few days. Yeah, that's true. That is definitely true. So, but yeah. So, uh, any last words before we give our final take on this? No, no, it's, uh, look, my final take, I'm kind of like, it's like a light watch to a stream, right? Uh Like if you have Apple TV plus, definitely you got to watch, watch it. Um, you know, if you don't have Apple TV plus, like consider renting it, it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know. Try out that free trial and, and catch it out, check it out, and then you know subscribe to That's Apple right. TV Plus because they are producing fire. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I would say for me, it's a final take. The, my final take is it's a watch. Yeah. Um, I would say if you don't have Apple TV Plus, get out there and um, free trial. Subscribe once, rent it, do whatever. It's, it's I think five you, bucks. Uh, you can rent. Yeah, you can rent it, and you know download the app and rent it if you wanted to. Um, even if you're an Android person. So, um, if you're a windows Android person, um, definitely check it out. Cause it's just good. I mean, like when it comes to history and stuff like that, it it was interesting. It, It just was, was cool that, you know, this happened. Sure. And, and it was, it was fascinating to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it was it definitely was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so Tim, I got a quick question before we continue. Sure. Do you yeah. have a haiku review for this? Oh my goodness. You're putting me on a spot. I mean, you're supposed to be prepared for this. I mean, we, I we can team up, we can team up and come okay. up with them with something. I Let's think Let's team up and come up with something. Okay. It sounds like you wait, I'm going to, I'm going to concede to you because it sounds like you may have. No, not at all. We're just going to come up with this oh, on the man. flight. Okay, man. I was, it would have been like so scripted. It sounded so scripted if you did, but um, let's see. Uh, the greatest beer run. No, no, no. This beer run happened. Yeah, this beer run happened. It was four long. Uh, it was four months in country. Wait, no, it was four months. Yeah, yeah, the, it, was, yeah it, it was four months in country. Yeah, it was four months in country. Um, he pulled it off, man. <laughs> Wait, it was a review. We just gave the haiku synopsis. <laughs> oh, a haiku synopsis. Um, he. Oh, uh, watch this true story. Watch this. Watch this true story. Yep. Watch this true story. There you go. And that is a haiku review. <laughs> and along with that. That is our final take. So if you enjoyed this show, please subscribe, like, and give us five stars and a glowing review so our podcast can reach more people and we can tell our wives that it's a sign the universe is talking to us and we're ready to get out there and podcast. I didn't really have anything for this one, so I'll just let it roll with that. So thanks again to Tyler Hobbs of Space Ranger for the original music. Check out Space Ranger exclusively on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Final Take Pod. Email us at thefinaltakepod at gmail.com. And check out all of our episodes on our website, thefinaltakepod.com, as well as every podcast platform. 
join us next episode. We're going to do a two for this week. Black Adam. We're going to the press screening. Until then. 